Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years. Here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To five three three four two New York, call the twenty four seven Hope Line at one eight seven seven eight Hope and Y or text Hope and Y four six seven three six nine. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or twenty four seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is your bomb Wednesday serves. I am Naima Cochran, better known to some of you as senior pastor of music sermon. Today I am a content queen because that is part of what we're talking about. And as always, I have with me, sir, I will let you introduce yourself. Karen uh, Phillips here once again as your director of health ministry, <laughs> helping the passer and whatever she needs. And as always, reminding y'all. Stop giving y'all money to that white man. We, we're going to talk about that, though, because we actually have a church announcement regarding Sean giving money to that white man. On today. On today. But we're going to get there in a minute. Before we get into that, let me do, as we always must, a little bit of housekeeping because I get, I get carried away and forget about it, which is just to remind you all that even as you are tarrying with 
Karan and I on today. There is a host of content um, under the Count the Dings and the Bomb family for anything that you might want to um, indulge yourself in, for lack of better phrasing. So on the Count the Dings feed, we have the Dad Pod. We have Cinephobe, which I really think you guys should take a moment and, and tap into if you've never um, listened to it before. And then the Friday Mailbag, which is an opportunity to have your questions and letters and emails answered, etc. On the Bomb feed, we have the OG Show on Tuesday, which is what most of you know me from in the first place. Me on Wednesday, Woke Bros on Thursday, and Growing Up the Same with Trey on Thursday. And then there is also the Pack Your Knives feed on Thursday. So a little bit for everybody. Find us wherever you listen to your podcast. Find us under Count the Dings. Find us under Bomb, B-O-M-M. And or also in addition to... By all means, if you want to show a little bit of extra love, you can also become a patron of Count the Dings, patreon.com, Count the Dings for exclusive content. Now, that being said, Mm. it does make sense to subscribe to Patreon, Count the Dings, if you want something that is going to enrich your life. It Mm. does not make sense to give your money to Sean King if you want something that is going to enrich your life. So Sean's book... The change. Did you, hear, did you hear the offer music? I'm making it a better. I hear, I hear it. Mm-hmm. I hear it. This is more. I feel like a, a altar, a altar call prayer because we we want to lay hands on people who have not yet. If I could seen, reach just one, if I could reach just one. Listen, the, the 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 objective of ministry is to save at least one soul, right? So we <laughs> we literally if we could just reach just one of y'all because people were posting. Um, Emails that Sean has been sending over the course of the last week for pre-orders of his book and, you know, exclaiming how he needs to get the book to be number one in the world. And like one little comment in one of the emails was like, the number one book in the world right now is about Donald Trump. Like a little aside that was kind of meant to kind of tug at people a little bit and to add some urgency, except that number one book about Donald Trump is the book by his niece that's reading his entire life for filth. So, like, maybe we want that to be something that somebody, that everybody is reading, if possible. But, I mean, listen, he's going to the bestseller list. He's going to sell an inordinate amount of books just because people still fall for the bullshit. But our goal here is to suggest that you direct your hard-earned monies in a recession someplace more valuable. Hell, you can send them to me. I have a cash app. It's in my Twitter bio. I'll take it. I'll do something with it. That's fine. I mean, Karen, do you have a cash app that you like to share? No. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. There are better there are better ways to direct your monies than Sean's. Book. I figured out who Sean King is. Who is Sean King? And I say this and who I'm about to compare him to. And I say this as a huge fan of this group. And oh. I don't feel this way. But people also say this about this group. Sean King is the whack version of Jagged Edge. Because people always used to say... So he's rough ends? Makes to say... People would say Jagged Edge makes the same song over and over again. Which Mm -hmm. I totally disagree with. But even if you feel that way, if they made the same song over and over again, it was always good, and it always sold, and there were always hits. So then he's not Jagged Edge. The same play over and over because it's always as you pointed out because i was retweeting he's tyler perry he's not jagged edge he's tyler perry 
But even Tyler got a couple. He don't have the classics, but he got a couple of hits. Like I but think, it's, I, it's the same formula over and over and over again. Okay, but it's just like. What is the line he always used? This is the most important work of this my is, life. It's either the most important work of his life. It's the most urgent thing he ever done. Everything is the most, the greatest. The like it's 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 a lot of um, it's a lot of amplify. It's a lot of amplification. It's a lot of very big emphasizing. You know, adjectives on things. I don't know. It's um, whatever. Don't buy his book, please. We we beg of you. That's basically because I'm also like the change. Like change what? What did you change? You ain't changed shit. You literally have not changed anything. Also, however, I do. I wouldn't raise this question. Someone brought brought this up in our mentions a, a couple weeks ago when we did the first podcast. Mm-hmm. When I brought up that that column he wrote, how many times he put I in it? If you do happen to run across this book, somebody. Count how many times he says I in it for me. Oh, my God. And, and, and tweet us and let us know. Who has time to do that? If y'all, so if y'all, feel, incl- column, so. if y'all feel inclined to do that, like, knock yourself out, I am not going to ask you to, to take your time to do that. But anyway, uh, so, yeah, don't buy Sean King's book. Um, secondly, I just have a very quick shout-out. Um, so I just watched... First of all, shout out to Instagram marketing because that shit works. So I saw a couple of weeks ago um, Netflix's Strong Black Lead account on Instagram posted this clip from this comics comedian I'd never heard of. Her name is Sam J. She's a lesbian. All her jokes around being a black lesbian. But the clip was funny as fuck. So they posted another one today. The stand-up dropped. It's called Sam J. 3 in the morning. I swear, if you have time, please go find this thing on Netflix. It is hilarious. Like, I haven't laughed this much at a stand-up special since Dion Cole. And I know Dion Cole wasn't that long ago, but it's that funny. Which Dion Cole? The first one or the second one? The Dion Cole that came out on Thanksgiving. The Netflix one? Yeah, that one. His first one, the Comedy Central, was even funnier. I got to find that one. But the one that came out last year at Thanksgiving, I which I watched like six times. But this is funny. So I just want to give a shout to her. Um, today, we have a few different pieces of new and not so new content, revisits, reexaminations, etc. that we want to get into. But before we do that, sports is back to an extent. And for those who either haven't realized it yet or just don't care so they haven't been paying attention, Karin is actually a sports journalist, um, sports and culture. And Karin, you did um, you did a piece this week, last week, this week, about, um, you know, Jay, I don't know what he was thinking when he said this the other year, but, or last, was it last year when he announced his partnership with the NFL? Last, and- last fall. When yeah. Jay-Z tells Yo, us, everything that happened in 2019 passed. feels like it happened three years ago. Um, Jay made the highly misdirected statement that we are, quote unquote, beyond kneeling. And I think that, you know, obviously in a climate where even the fucking NHL has Black Lives Matter messaging and a big-ass stop racism sign. I was like, what the fuck kind of They put up the Black Lives Matter banner in Boston. The Red Sox. I saw that. Like, how did... Because Wrigley is Boston, right? That's the Red Sox field? That's Fenway. 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 But how did Fenway not... I don't follow baseball at fucking all if it's not the Yankees. But how did Fenway not implode 
when they put that sign on it? Like, how did it just not crumple into dust I, uh, when that happened? But anyway, so they've done it. NHL is not, and and MLB as a whole has been on some like MLB BLM type, you know, like letter play or whatever. So I want to turn this over to you because you basically are revisiting how stupid a comment that was from Jay. And yeah, and while like all these sports, and I wrote about this like the week before that, are basically put it on performative wokeness, as I've oh, framed ob- it as a term. Obviously. Um, but I just, like, I've been on Jay's head as Jay the activist and not Jay-Z the rapper or mm-hmm. Jay-Z the man or Jay-Z the businessman. Right. My issue with Jay and all this is that if Jay would have came out and told us, yo, I'm doing this deal with the NFL, it's a good look, I can get some money, I'm trying to be an owner one day, I know they're problematic, he but this is, do that but your they boy already, is a businessman. But a business they already man. get at the Carters for being black yeah. capitalists. Yeah. Which, so of course, if he came out and said uh, that, I would have had no issue. It's the fact that they wanted to drape it um, in this racial and social activism, which is the problem I have in it. And from that day since that press conference, when when Jay said what he said, chumming it up, Kiki and with Roger Goodell, who was the last person on earth you need to chum it up, Ever. if you're talking about race and anything serious and social issues, it has been like I remember earlier in the year I did a column where all I did was go find all the public problematic comments he's made in the past <laughs> year. And just listen to him. was like, right. this is what he said on this day. This right. is what he said on this day. And people were just like, wait, whoa. Oh, and I'm just like, yeah, that's what I've been trying to tell y'all. But what I also, really want to- isn't, isn't Van Jones leading somehow part of whatever these, um, these initiatives are that, that Jay is leading as part of the, as part of the partnership with the NFL? Am I making that up? No, that's something different. They okay. started a group called Reform. It was like Jay, Van Jones, Meek, Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots. Um, Again, the last yeah. motherfucker I really need in a conversation the, about the race. The owner of one of the ogres is like the Eagles and stuff. So they all came together. But the issue, what I wanted to bring with this, was like we were discussing stuff at work. And going into the weekend, you know, I was like, I was going to be off, but I want you to pay attention to see, especially with the NBA coming back, how they were going to handle it. Right. Because people forget that in 1981, the NBA had a rule that basically said, you, oh, you got to stand up and for the anthem. And that was challenged first in 96 by Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf in the 90s. Mm. Um, and he was like the first Kaepernick because he got blackballed from the NBA for that. So mm. now, um, fast forward to, we'll take a step back to three years ago when stuff was happening again in 2017 where players, there were murmurs that someone might know and we were wondering if they would. The NBA sent out a memo like, hey, hey, remember that rule? (laughs) So with this three years later, I was really interested to see if players are going to actually do what they said they were going to do and how the NBA is going to handle it. And And now there's like the one player who didn't kneel and then he got hurt or some shit like that. Yeah, all of that has happened, but it was just like even like you said, a baseball NHL. You like everyone has embraced it, and I like I never asked for people to kneel or white people to kneel to join in. I just, I didn't say I didn't have a problem with the money or where the money was going to. My thing was you, you have to keep kneeling because if you stop kneeling, people are going to think the problem is over. It's handled right. with money at it. It going away. Police stop killing black people. 
Ta-da! See, it has not happened in 2020. I've shown you this. So now we're here, and I just, because when I was watching the NBA over this weekend, I just saw all these teams and players, and the referees were kneeling. I just kept thinking, damn, what is Jay thinking right now? It just kept popping in my head. I was just like, I just want you to see how everyone's making you look really, really stupid for that, that comment. You well, said. also, I think it was a really arrogant comment, too, because the thing about protest is that protest is not something that you do three times or for a month or for X number of games and then it's just over. Protest is any form of protest you take. And this is what we were kind of trying to convey to everybody who was all BLM everything in June. But, like, protest isn't something you just do for a hot second. And then it's like, okay, well, that was fun. Let me go back to whatever. You have to be in a space where you're ready to commit to it in some form until there is some form of change. And if it is organized protest, which what Cap was doing wasn't organized protest. It was his own choice of protest, which is fine, right? Like, that's my thing. I didn't even need the whole team to do it with him. Just don't with his shit because he chooses to do it, right? But if you do an organized protest... You have to be willing to, you have to have, like, if this thing happens, we'll stop in mind. You can't just be like, I'm going to kneel for this one game. I'm going to kneel for these two and a half games. I'm going to kneel for the ones that's televised. Like, you have, there has to be some level of consistency and commitment to your point. Um, So, so I say that to say, but also at the beginning, Cap said, like, when this first started four Um, years ago, they literally was like, why are you kneeling? And he said, I will stand up when this gets addressed, this gets right. addressed, this gets better. Like, he told you when he would stop. So, right. Jay, we'll get up off our knees when we get this happen. Right. Bruh, well, also, for Jay, to, but for Jay to say we're beyond kneeling suggests that we're beyond a crisis point, which we're clearly not. Right? Like, just because you did your little funky deal with the NFL doesn't mean, like, it's because you got some money. <laughs> doesn't mean we're beyond any kind of crisis. Which he still refuses to disclose how much it was. Of course. Of course he does. Um, All right. So, yeah, that quote is aging really poorly. But then his wife puts out Black is King. So I guess that balances it out. Which, by the way, I still haven't watched. I'm going to watch it eventually. I'm not in a rush. I'm not in a rush. I don't need to discuss it today. We can come back to that another time. Don't take take your time. You're not... (laughs) You're not missing anything. And this is no just Beyonce Beehive. Listen, you you'll find you'll find my name in a few Beyonce credits from some albums back in the day. So it's not that. I just I don't mind saying I have a little bit of Beyonce fatigue. So I just need to get around to it when wait, I get wait, around wait, to wait, it. Wait, 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 wait. Did you just slide that in there like that? I'm not gonna let you just slide that in yeah, like you did. I mean, I and then talk that talk pastor. Oh yeah. Talk that talk pastor. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I just say that to clarify that I am not I'm anti B. I'm not beehive, but I'm not anti B either. I just I I cannot consume I can't consume B content at the same time everybody else is consuming B content because I get overwhelmed. That's the best way I can put it. Cause it's just a, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um all right. I am late. I'm late to this party. I'm late to this party. I acknowledge that I'm late to this party, but I literally was up all night because this shit is amazing. And it's my new favorite thing. And I am, I've been tweeting about it, talking about it, posting about it all fucking day. P Valley on Stars. 
Man. Oh, my God. I love this show. I love this show. And let me tell you why I love this show. I love this show because I'm from the South. I know strip clubs like pink. They're yep. not flying flossy. Nope. The DJ ain't well known. You know, nope. you ain't got a bunch of big ballers, name niggas up in there doing shit. And the shit. DJ is talking so much shit so to much everybody. Shit. Like it's janky and it's and it's in a town where like life has largely passed the town by. And that's the other thing. Like I know towns like that where the shopping strips are mostly closed and boarded up where a lot of the stores are shut where most of the people of the last generation as soon as they came of age like they got the fuck up out of there because jobs of industry or shipping or whatever it may have been for mississippi and the gold in the case of mississippi and the gold gulf coast have left my only issue oh and also um the woman who plays Mercedes, the bottom bitch stripper, is a soror, so oop to her. And she does her own pole work. Shout out to Jamaica Craft, um, choreographer. But my only issue is that in a real Girls life... Be everywhere, boy. All the time. There's uh, so many of y'all. The, it's a lot of us. It's, dev- <laughs> it's definitely 200,000 plus of us. Um, my Correct. only issue <laughs> is that in a club like The Pank... In real life, there'd be like one bitch who was 40-something, another chick who had a couple bullet wounds. I haven't couple, seen any, C- a couple any girls. seeable C- C-section scars yet. Yeah, like a C-section scar. A couple big girls. Like, basically, everybody in there is too cute. And all I them girls wouldn't be that cute, and they wouldn't all be that young. Booty cheeks yet. I haven't seen right. a full butterfly booty. Yeah. Yeah, and they wouldn't. I feel like I feel like Mercedes has something going on. She got something, but she don't have the whole butterfly. the whole butterfly. Yeah, so they wouldn't all be that cute, and they wouldn't all be that young. That's True. that's my one complaint, right? But, but other than that, but other than that, I really, really fuck with the show. And what I realized, it took me, I think, maybe until the end of the second episode to realize it. Uncle Cliff. Um, and I'm going to look up his name. I knew it earlier and I don't forgot the it best already. character on TV right now. He reminds me. Did, were you a True Blood watcher? No, no, that was not my ministry. He reminds me of Nelson Ellis's uh, vampire character, Brooklyn. Lafayette. Vampire Mrs. was my last okay. Uh, well, okay. <laughs> well, this guy, Lafayette, didn't start as a vampire of any sort. Actually, he, well, I don't think he ever was. Um, but he reminds me of that character from True Blood, who is one of my favorite characters, maybe in TV can- canon ever. And rest in peace to Nelson Ellis. We lost him three years ago. Fucking dynamic talent, like a dynamic talent. But um, I was like, oh, Uncle Cliff is giving me the Lafayette that I miss. Like, you know, when you end those shows and you literally miss that character, like you knew that character in real life, like you miss quote-unquote visiting with that character that's how i felt about lafayette but um and and the music golden entourage yeah the music supervision is on point um the stunts are on point a friend of mine had a very long conversation about the accents a couple of them uh, could use a little work but for the most part like i'm really happy they're working on them what what are your thoughts because it's my definitely catching character. a it's definitely catching like a my favorite character outside Uncle Clifford, our second Diamond, 
I need okay. to know more about Diamond. Yeah, and I believe we are going to get more about I feel Diamond. Like Diamond been through some, and because Diamond ain't scared of nothing. Yeah, um, Diamond be ready to fight the whole the whole line of people. Well, that's his job, and, also. Yeah, but I love why she's so tragic. And if you haven't seen it, she did the worst thing ever. But Mercedes' mama. Mercedes' mama is <laughs> a mess. Yo. Mercedes mama's a mess. Mercedes mama. Mercedes mama's a mess. But you know, but this might surprise you. I think the character that I surprised my am surprised to find myself invested in is little is little murder. Oh, oh, listen, because last episode I'm little, really invested in little murder. Oh, little murder took it to another level. Well, last little episode. nigga, as as Clifford calls him, I'm really invested. I'm like, I, I think I fuck with little murder, and I definitely didn't think I was going to in the beginning. I think I think I like that kid. I think I, I fuck I with him. I didn't see that going there. I just thought it was going to be like a a, a great respect. Yeah, yeah, there. yeah. And it's like, oh, I see you playing, holding it down. And then that scene happened. I was like, oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't, I saw okay. this, I saw cool. the scene, I saw that scene coming, but also even just seeing him, like the difference between the way we first saw him when he was trying to like slide up in the club and the way they were in the champagne room versus even when he was with the DJ after school, like in episode two, like, or then like giving tips on, how to help the place run better. You know what I mean? With like wings, just with the wee with the wings, with the wee wings. Which like I want to taste. So <laughs> like even even those things, I was like, okay, there's more to this character here, right? Um, so I, I fuck with him. So yeah, I'm a fan. I'm a new fan of that. Um it's that's also amazing. interesting given how this character is a complete 180 from the character, the actor, I don't know his name, played. Um Oh my god! And the Madam C.J. Walker. You know, Netflix I didn't special. watch that yet because he was in that. But also, you're not missing anything because that Madam C.J. Walker special was horrendous. I know it was a fictionalized yeah. it, account. It, it's, it's terrible. Okay. Like you good? You're not missing nothing. I got you. Yeah. You cool. You good? Um. <laughs> but yeah, shout out to P Valley on start. Like, listen, I never got into power because i was like i don't need another fucking cable channel but i'm gonna have to hold on to stars while p valley is running because it's just that real (laughs) um speaking of uh things coming to streaming services or things on streaming and cable services netflix strong bike lead announced last week that they are bringing a slate of late 90s early 2000s classic upn programming to the show over the course of the next couple of months. So starting with Moesha, which I think is streaming now, it's going to be it's going to be Moesha, the Parkers, girlfriends, half and half, and one on one. I'm really excited about half and half and one on one coming back because I didn't watch the Parkers or Moesha because I I thought the Parkers was stupid and I didn't really like Moesha, but um, I I didn't feel like half and half especially half and half with Essence Atkins and Rachel, Rachel True got the love it should have gotten. It's, nope. it's, a, it's a cute show. Although, like Girlfriends, it ended, it didn't get a proper ending because nope. of the 2007 writer strike. Um, that show, also, Girlfriends, and Girlfriends all of us. Girlfriends has been on like TV One and others, it black has. At, like Aspire, 
for years and no one's paid attention except me because when I had Comcast, all I did some was watch those shows have, and be Some people have, but um, I, I've said before in other spaces, like a lot of these shows, uh, TV One especially, is a great source. They rerun a bunch of this shit. Um, luckily, I want to say they do, you know, every couple of months, if you just take a look at what they're doing, they're usually like, rerunning a whole series from like beginning to end that you can catch up with at some point. And, and, and shout out to your thread on TV One, which was much appreciated because I rock with TV One hard. I rock with TV One super hard and people be missing out. TV One gave un- me... Uncensored, so unsung, unsung Hollywood. Oh, I love I'm unsung. All of them. All I love of them. it. I love it. It's fantastic. So the reason I wanted to bring this up is that, you know, we're in like a hot take culture, right? <laughs> Everything gotta be, and this is this is also why I can't watch Beyonce shit while everybody else is watching it. Everything gotta be picked apart and analyzed and turned around and held up to the light and examined. And like I get it, like but a brand new twenty. <laughs> yeah, but like the thing about the and I and I listen. I love that we've all found our critical you know our critical theory voices and 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 words and concepts and whatever but and i'm not saying that we shouldn't be critical but the era of upn tv programming was very singular in terms of black tv because literally they were just trying to fill up a programming slate this was the period in time when there were the most centered sitcoms and dramas on TV at any one point, right? There was, I say that to say that there was room. Like, now I know we're hypercritical of stuff because we like to say there's not room for foolishness and silly, vapid black programming. But back then there was room. Like, there were shows like Homeboys in Outer Fucking Space. You know, like, that was Slept a show. classic. Slept exa- Are you sure? I don't think that was a classic. Remember Eddie. Malcolm and Eddie? I remember the show. I ne- asked me if I ever... I never watched that. I always was too um, highbrow for UPN shit, except you didn't girlfriends. Watch Malcolm and Eddie? Not at all. I was grown. Fam. Fam. Nah. Fam. And no, I didn't watch Malcolm and Eddie. I, watch, I watched literally like three UPN shows. And, and even Damn. back then, the joke was that it was you people's network. Um, I was watching UPN took the Fox formula, which in order to get recognized as like one of the big networks, Fox grew their viewership through black TV programming, through Martin, through Living Single, through In Living Color, South and, Central, and, um, <laughs> South Central, and uh, what you call it, New York Undercover. And then once they got one their the numbers up, five shows in TV history. Yes, correct, correct. And then once they got their numbers up. You know, they converted it into a, like a white male middle America, you know. Yeah, exactly. They kicked the niggas out. And everybody went to UPN and UPN did the same shit. UPN and the WB and then they combined to become the CW and yada, 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 yada. And then they turned shout into the white uh, teenage shout out drama. To, shout out to In the House with LL Cool J and Maya yeah, Campbell for her issues. Praying um, for that so I say all that to say that as people rewatch these shows, especially especially the Parkers and girlfriends too, they might notice there's a lot of problematic elements to these shows, right? And they were problematic then. It just, 
we maybe were more willing to overlook it or they didn't feel as blatantly problematic, right? Because we weren't calling that kind of stuff out yet. But if you go into these shows with a 2020 critical mindset, you're not going to enjoy the rewatch. Nope. But I also think that there that something in the idea of watching content for the sake of what it is, like the phrase, it's good for what it is, exists for a reason. So like there might be a show that I binge and I know it's not going to win any awards, but for what it is, which is something that will engage me for a significant amount of time and that I will find entertaining, if not edifying, it doesn't have to teach me anything. It doesn't have to enlighten me. It makes me laugh. It's cute. It's funny. It's good for what it is. That's what some of these shows are. And I feel like we've lost the capacity, or at least Twitter has. Maybe not people in real life, but for show Twitter has. No, to just sometimes consume entertainment just for entertainment's sake. And it's the, the, like, you bring up a great point, and it's, like we always say, no one likes to give con- context anymore. Right. Um, and, and what people have to realize is, you know, people like us, when we watch these shows, we see the stuff that's, like, cringeworthy, be like, ugh, I laughed at that. But, like, you catch yourself laughing at it because you was like, you remember what it was like when it was said in that time. Right. And people don't realize that as cultures and societies age and progress and mature so does the content it's the argument does life create art or just you know art imitate life and life imitate right. that that's the correct uh, term but it's like now we're you know more progressive we think about things in a different way um we're more tolerant even though i hate that word right. uh, we're more aware of things that happen for right. instance like sunday night's episode of the shy um, oh, but it's like a high school girl given and oh boy was like yo you sure you want to do this and she was like you have my consent right 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 right, right, a right, right. sex scene that's getting ready to happen between teenagers right pre 2020 is never going to have a consent line in it yeah, just no. because as a culture and society, we were not at that point. It might have been like, a, are you sure you want to do this? And yeah, she said, like, I don't want to make you do anything like that type of shit. Yeah. And she's like, no, I want to, but you're not getting a, you have, have my consent. consent. Right, right. And I so, think also and like, you like have to think that way when you watch these shows. But the thing is, we also have for us is like we were there. Even if you didn't watch them shows, I did. I remember what was going on in my life right. and it spoke to us at that time. It's now the people who are getting excited are either the ones who were there and these were their shows and they get to watch them again, or kids who was it was like I they was they were too young and now they get too to young to understand it. Right. And so now they're looking at it like, oh my god, y'all was watching this and was like, fam, it's like. We talk about 90s R&B. You can right. appreciate it, but if you didn't slow dance to it, <laughs> there's not a certain appreciation that you have to it like the rest of us did, right. you know, when we trying to seal the deal to it. Well, the other thing is, I want to say, because, like, I was talking about this on Twitter, and I, I got some pushback from people who were like, you know, are you saying that we can't? critique these shows and I, and it's not that I'm saying that you can't critique these shows it's so it's more so about how right so it's like yes when I talk about girlfriends now in context I'll be like Maya Joan you know every single every single one of them were trash 
friends. Tony, William, they were all trash friends. But what I'm doing is I'm critiquing the characters. I'm not critiquing girlfriends as a show based on the fact that girlfriends had trash characters, right? And I think that's the difference. I think there's a conflation between I'm realizing now that these characters weren't as well-developed or weren't as well-defined or they were intentionally flawed characters and I didn't see it before. But taking, like character flaws that were intentional Mm -hmm. and applying them to the actual quality of the show itself, which is not the same thing. Right. And and also like comparing the plot from 20 years ago, judging it instead of inside the, the show's universe or judging it by like actual real life shit. Like this don't pull one episode out. If you don't know the context that came before, after where show is gone. It's like, I experienced that this past weekend. Like I was uh, trying to figure out what to watch. And I tell people all the time, the two shows that taught me the most about women as like a straight dude was girlfriends and sex in the city. Like Mm -hmm. they were my Bible. And I was just sitting there watching like, Oh, (laughs) <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Now that makes sense. In an old episode of Sex I'm a little City, concerned about the Sex in the City part. Uh, because it's like, I just wanted, if it was about women giving me information about women, I was all in on it. Okay. I, of course, I was going to defer to girlfriends first. Right. Um, but like when Sex in the City caught that wave, it was kind of like, okay, where is this going? And I kind of liked some of the male characters in it too. But right. it was an episode I was watching the other night. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Samantha was my favorite. And she did something. And I was just like, Samantha, that was the most terrible shit ever. <laughs> but I'm just right. like, but back when this was on the air, it was like. It would have been fine. You yeah. wouldn't even, like, thought twice about it because you were just like, oh, that's just Samantha. It makes sense for Samantha's character. Right. So it's like you have to be able to have that, is duplicity the right word? To understand it's, what um, it is now I think, I what think, it was in that I think, moment. I think duplicity can apply, but also there is, you know, uh, there is an actual literary term which applies to TV as well, which is what we call suspension of disbelief, which is where you put some of your, your, criti- your, put some of your critiques aside, understanding um, time and place, universe placement, context in terms of what you're watching, right? So, like, but and I think we've lost some of that, too. Like, suspension of disbelief is why um, the the we didn't see the condom rapper argument for Insecure didn't make any fucking sense. It's a 30-minute long show. We ain't necessarily got time for that. We it's should, also we a comedy. Also, <laughs> right, like, it is not... That's like it's not an after school special. You know what I'm saying? Like they're writers and writers have to take choices. We don't we don't expect people to go through the exact same amount of infinite steps of really small, um, you know, micro things that we do in the course of a day when we're seeing a plot line play out. So that being said, you know, I just want us to be able, I'm not saying we can't have conversations about shit. I'm not saying we can't examine. Obviously I do that shit all day between music sermon and, um, even with these tears for those who follow me on Fridays with me and my friend Jamal, when we're ranking old shit, we've done black sitcoms, we've done black sitcom theme shows, but we do separate the conversation between even with music. I can separate the conversation between these lyrics were really awful and this song didn't age well, it might not work today. Or this song is a trash piece, a trash song. You know, the song is a great example of that. 
I was listening to it this morning. Is it, um, is it Keith Sweat? Uh, you may be young, I mean, right in the wrong way, because that's my no, that is definitely, (laughs) but it is a jam. (laughs) Don't be afraid. Listen, it's it's more, it's a little bit more current. I was listening to a song and I was like, oh shit, I remember when this song came out in college. If the people who I was in college with right now, who are all doctors, lawyers, professionals, with kids and second mortgages and, and rental properties, would be like, I would never let my kids listen to this. But I was like, if we was together and this song came on, I was like, everybody would act like they were my song. And the song was um, Webby, mm. Bumpy, Girl, Give Me That. Oh, yeah. Girl, Give Me That. Girl, <laughs> and Give I'm Me That. Like, Girl, that give is me that. So yeah. you might have oh. a home. That is does nationwide panels. Oh, that's how I feel about um. That's how I feel about it. Ain't no fun, and that's how I feel about uh. Bitches ain't shit, and that's how I feel about I get around. Like I can't, I cannot let those songs go. They're problematic as hell. I can't let any of the Death Row catalog go. Actually, um. And I I appreciate Blackish for doing that episode. about where Bo was singing on so long yeah. to it because it's so real. I don't know anybody my age or a little bit younger who can't like it's such a delightful song about such horrible shit, right? Like you really just want to like you could dance to it. It's got a groove. It's so I mean whatever you can sing along to it. Rest in peace, Nate Dog. Um, yeah, okay. Moving along. So so you brought up Webby. You brought up Webby. So 25 years ago this week, 25 years ago Monday. 25 lighters on my dresser. <laughs> yes, sir. 25 years ago Monday, the Source Awards, which used to be the, the Hip Hop Awards, the, the ultimate in hip hop celebration. Understand. These kids don't understand. But also used to have a lot of shit popping off Source Awards weekend. But the. Wait, 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 wait. Pause, pause, pause. Didn't the Source Awards used to be on UPN? I believe so, yes. Boom. Yeah, You People's Network. Um, the Source Awards, the infamous Source Awards where Shug, you know, invited that if you didn't want. You know, your your, your label producer, executive producers all in the video, all on the track, dancing. dancing. You could come to death row. Where Snoop asked if the East Coast ain't had no love for Snoop Dogg and, Dog Dr. and Dr. Dre. Let it be known then. We know where the fuck we at. This bullshit about the East Coast and the West Coast started when we went out to New York to do the Source Awards. And Mr. Knight uh, went on stage. And he's in New York City, and we all know puppies from New York City. Any artist out there want to be an artist and want to stay a star, don't want to, don't want to have to worry about the executive producer trying to be all in the videos, all on the record, dancing, coming down from. I mean, the whole crowd started booing, and then I thought to myself, like, why would you do that? The East Coast don't love Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg. The East Coast ain't got no love for Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg and Death Row. Y'all don't love us. Y'all don't love us. Well, let it be known then. We, we know y'all East Coast. We know we at East Coast and F. 
I'm the executive producer that a comment was made about a little bit earlier. But con check this out. Contrary to what other people may feel, I would like to say that I'm very proud of Dr. Dre, of Death Row, and Shook Knight for their accomplishments. And all this East and West that needs to stop. You know, with that, and Snoop re reacted that in the verses the other weekend, and I was slightly traumatized. Like, nigga, it ain't 25 years is not long enough to bring that trauma back up for everybody. But also, where Outcast won Best New Artist, and in Jermaine Dupree and Brad performed. And, but in part because of the tension that was already in the building, and because they weren't like applauded warmly as they came to the stage. Out of irritation, Dre's speech was based on South got something to say. Something to say. And so that legendary moment happened 25 years ago. And and for those who, I think everybody knows, but for those who don't know, this was like right when the East Coast, West Coast shit was becoming like a real thing. We lost Pop the following year. We lost Big the year after that. But This, this is was, right before those magazine covers. <laughs> right, right. Um, and, and... You know, the East Coast, West Coast thing, it was really, it was really bad boy, death row. And it's unfortunate because it really Pac versus everybody. But that's a whole nother Correct. story. Who's, um, who's from New York. <laughs> ish. But it was really Pac versus everybody. Um, but then it was also truly a moment where due to, you know, the digital, you know, the internet increasing, um, you know, people were on like Black Planet and College Club and shit like that. Um, Shout out to Black Planet. Music was starting to break regional barriers a little bit. It took the South a couple more years to really get like some New York play. Like I didn't really like Outkast didn't really start getting play here until um, Elevators. Yeah. And uh, but anyway, I say all that to say. Uh, Brianna Younger, uh, a writer who I admire, um, younger writer who I admire, had a vision that she tweeted last year that one day she was going to flip the discussion about rap canon on its head and do it from a Southern perspective. And I was tapped as one of the writers for those who, I think people do know this, but I am from South Carolina, even though I'm also from New York. It depends on what I feel like claiming at the time. But I did spend my formative years in South Carolina. So I was amongst rappers from the Carolinas, Florida, Georgia, Louisiana, Mississippi. This means that Naima really knows how to make macaroni and cheese really good. So I absolutely make a She doesn't make it the phenomenal New York Phenomenal macaroni and cheese um but i was part of a, a writers scholar some who I, who I greatly respect to do we're calling it a southern rap canon but we know it's not definitive like even amongst us in our group chats deciding what we were going to cover we could have easily added I, we could have i think we did um i want to say we did uh, things total 50 albums 50 singles but we could have easily added 20 more y'all, y'all doing the Lord's work. Look at y'all. This we is like you the pastor. Yeah, we could have easily added mm-hmm. um, 20 more mm-hmm. of each. So I covered DJ Jimmy, Where They At, um, which is one of the leading songs in New Orleans, Bounce. Where They which, At? Where, oh, where They At? Oh, oh, where They where At? They at? Oh, where They At? Oh, it's one of my favorites. Um, and I did Young, Bree, Young uh, Bleed, How They Do That. I did... Um, 
That why am I blanking? Why am I blanking? Oh, I did Shit. throw some D's. Just, I did throw some D's. I, and then I did, on the album side, I did 400 Degrees and I did Word of Mouth. Um, so you've got a chance to peruse through it. And, you know, the South and the Midwest have a closer relationship sonically than I think yes. people like to acknowledge. <laughs> this is what, why I wanted to jump in. What were your thoughts? One. <laughs> oh, wait, before you, you get there, it's NPR Music. Y'all go take a look. You'll be able to find it or Google NPR Music. The South got something to say. Okay, go ahead. One, uh, that, that how you do that, that bass line. Maybe Ooh. one of the greatest bass lines in music history. Two, I used to be Rich Boy's server back in the day at his favorite restaurant. Oh, my. Uh, three. Like a, a Papado or a where? I, uh, uh, Copeland's Cheesecake Bistro in Atlantic Station. I okay. remember his order to a T. It was right. a filet, medium well, and a side of mashed potatoes. And that's all he <laughs> wanted. He never looked at a menu, and it was an right. automatic $50 tip. Wow. Um, okay. Every time. And you mentioned one of the greatest five rap albums, I think, ever in 200 degrees. degrees. Um, because I like to tell people actual lovers of southern hip-hop and rap music fam i get it i know the movement that back that ass up is yeah but back that ass up ain't even one of these seven best songs on that album it's like, it's, like it's, degrees, it's one of many manny and juvie together like for, first of all first of all let's back it all up and just acknowledge that like, we actually did need to break this canon out into conversations about, like, producers and all that stuff because Manny Fresh is genuinely one of the greatest producers. Like, and, and also, Manny is literally, like, a child savant. Like, how Teddy was producing as a teenager, Manny was producing as a fucking yep. teenager. You know, and his dad was a DJ, so he, you know, came naturally. Like, how Jazzy Faye's dad was one of the damn bar case. You know, like, some of these motherfuckers, they got it naturally, which is why... Their sounds already felt so like established and defined and developed. Manny's a beast, man, and Manny is—he is the Cash Money sound. But Manny and Juvie together were perfect. Yeah, yeah. Um, But as you were speaking to, like, people often don't realize, like, as being born and raised from the Midwest, like, we didn't have any rappers, like. Right. Eminem popped up late middle school, early high school, but like we didn't under we knew he was really, really good, dope, but we was like, we don't understand this trailer park shit this nigga talking about. Right. Um And he wasn't really for he wasn't really for yeah. y'all. Yeah. And ne- Nelly popped up, you know, mid late high school, but that's so like to put it in context. So this is like the the Midwest really started showing up late nineties right around the turn of 2000. Yeah, so, so, well, Common, uh, Common a little bit earlier, but Common got looped in with, like, the New York Philly yeah, crew. Yeah, so, like, yeah. for us, we always listen to everybody. So when mm-hmm. West Coast and Snoop and Dre is all them is bumping, we rocking with them. Yeah. If some East Coast rappers that you like personally, they hot, you rocking with them. But like the, from the Great Migration and usually everybody going back every summer to the South, like right. the South is just part of your upbringing. Yeah. So the beats, 
the booty shaking in, in the base uh, in Miami, like we do them type of dances or whatever. And like, so from Atlanta, from wherever you came from or your people or that type of music, it was hidden from like, we was into it. So you know even in think- the Midwest, like you think about Tila, right. Do well, I was, that's what I was going to say. I didn't mean to, I didn't even mean to cut you off, but like, I think one of the greatest examples of that is when you listen to Hey in the Middle of the Barn, I that shit sounds like, shit. but it sounds like it's from Atlanta. You mm. know what I mean? Or 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 it sounds like it's from Atlanta, or even like maybe from the Gulf somewhere. You want to you want to set a party on? Yeah, it's but it sounds like Southern hip hop. It sounds and like Southern hip hop. So like the. The first Tila does of, too, like a hundred percent. Do it, like put some do it die. Listen, yeah. tw- Twister's adrenaline rush album. P I M P ology. That's oh come on, man. Yeah. Listen, man. Like all of that yeah. is us, and all of that has like southern influence. So right. growing up, that's why I've been so hype about this Chronicles on BET because Cash Money and No Limit is all we listen to mm-hmm. so that whole no limit run and i'm just like yo i can go down the roster i'm talking about mac uh fiend the love soldiers Kane mm-hmm. and abel like all of them albums yup grew up on them then when cash money came with their stuff it was just like that's all it was just like a takeover and you would have thought like we was from New Orleans or something because like we had all them CDs and that's right. all people was bumping in their cars because it was just like oh yeah like I've been down there before like I know what they talking about right some slang they was using because like, there is a direct connection from the Gulf Coast specifically to the to the Midwest like that whole like Mississippi area and that like Southern Alabama area like, that's the direct connection to the Midwest like, Dungeon Family Outcast like all that stuff it was just like oh. Yeah, like I know the K that like my uncle stay out there. Like, right, was, right, like right. I, I know what they're talking about. Right. Like I know what like they do, but I'm like, I know some of these references that I right. know people in New York is like, what? What's that? And I'm like, no, oh, I've been to Greenbrier. Like, I know what I said. Right. Right. And I think that's how people in New York are about um more about North Carolina and South Carolina. Um, which I think I've mentioned here before. If you wanna know why those connections exist, study the uh the roots of the great migration. It's about the train lines um, from the different Southern states to the places that we all migrated to. So we are short on time, but like I said, I want to encourage you guys to take a look. Cause even as a, from my own point of view, I realized that I've neglected to talk about Southern hip hop um, in a real way. Part of it is because there are so many, when I first moved back to New York, which was in 96, there were so many references that people here didn't get that I think I kind of got used to only talking about these albums and these moments in certain spaces if I knew people were familiar with them, which goes against my whole thing of actually educating people and putting people onto them. So I do encourage you guys to go and peruse that uh, the collection of pieces in the NPR canon, when you get an opportunity, I also encourage y'all, because these things go together, to watch P-Valley, if you haven't oh, already. Oh, they go together. <laughs> they, those things do go together, because that is some country-ass shit there. And uh, 
as always, we highly encourage you to not give Sean King your money. Um, give it to us. Give it to us. We're going we to put our absolutely give it to <laughs> us. I'm fine with that. We'll put it to good use. I'm, I'm kidding, but also not. So, um, if you don't give it, if you don't want to give it to me specifically, like I said, you can definitely subscribe to be a patron account, the dings, or we but can find some other way to make ties on all work. But we'll look, if they do decide videos. to give it to us, we ain't gonna lie about it. We just gonna say, yeah, we took no, it. No, we like, won't lie about rich. it. No, we won't lie about it. But we'll we'll do we'll do good with it. Um. So until next week, I think we're gonna have to try. I think we're gonna have. I think we're gonna try to have track next week to have that boomerang conversation we uh-uh. said we were gonna do. Uh-uh. Um. <laughs> but until next week, I'm gonna play Johnny Gill in the background next week. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> Are you gonna? Is it gonna be clap activated? I might have some candles lit. <laughs> I might, I might, I might pull out my satin robe with it open and my, and my taco. Do, oh, I'm God. ready. Like, Don't do that. That's a lie. I'm ready. I am ready. All right, y'all. Um, we appreciate you as always for listening. Thank you. We appreciate you always for sharing your thoughts. It is our pleasure to be with you every week. We know that you could choose to be listening to anything right now, and you are listening to us, and we do not take that for granted. And do not give Sean King your money. And we will see y'all next week. Hello.